Welcome to the Rodeo on the Horn podcast. My name, as always, Donovan Donnie. You call me whatever you want, and I'm here with my good friend. You're just a, just a great man altogether, the scout of all scouts, Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Donnie. Thank you for the kind introduction, as always. Always a pleasure. Always a highlight of my week to be recording our podcast. I'm really excited to be talking about sports with you again today. So yeah, really excited for it. You know, I am glad that you're excited to talk about sports with me because honestly, I'm excited to talk about sports with you. So it's like it makes us a really good dynamic, just the fact that both of us are just excited for this. And I think, you know, obviously, I would say we could talk about my favorite sport. I don't, I'm not sure if it's your favorite sport necessarily in hockey. We're going into the playoffs uh, fairly shortly here. They haven't necessarily said like like an actual date yet. We're not actually actually sure when this is going to happen. But uh, it seems like everything's pointing till Saturday, uh, this Saturday. So the upcoming Saturday, uh, it should be the 15th, maybe the 16th. I, I can't necessarily tell you. Um, but yeah, we have officially, um, the brackets are basically set here. And, you know, we're, we're in a, an interesting spot. And we had a request from one of our uh, viewers to basically, or one of our listeners to basically break down playoffs for them um, coming from Eric. Uh, and I think this is a good segment we can start off on. Is there any specific division that you want to talk about first before we start breaking things down? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll just pick out the Western division in the NHL. I think this has been a very interesting division. We kind of came into this year looking at this division saying, all right, we got three teams at the top that we know are going to be here, and then we'll see who kind of emerges. And we did see that. Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado all making the playoffs. We saw Minnesota have a pretty good year as well in the West. So definitely makes for some interesting first-round matchups. But I think this division is most interesting because I think Vegas and Colorado are – kind of separated themselves a little bit as being kind of the two best teams in the Western division. I think they're both very legitimate Stanley Cup final contenders. So I think that we're going to see that in the second round between Vegas and Colorado. So I'm really excited for that series. I give the slight edge to Vegas uh, in this kind of area. I think that they're just a very well-rounded team, really like their defense, both their goalies with Laner and Flurry. So I think there's a lot to like with Vegas. So that's kind of how I look at that overall division. But I think there's a lot of intrigue when, when you look at the West. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's like, obviously, with the matchups, we're going to see Vegas play St. Louis. St. Louis has been just abysmal this year in terms of what they're actually compared, what they were supposed to do. Um, they have four more losses than wins if you count overtime losses, which is not something that you would have expected out of a Blues team that um, just recently won a Stanley Cup and was also very, very competitive afterwards. Um, and then you have Colorado, Minnesota. Colorado's got to be, I mean, like, even in a situation like this, in a normal year, Colorado's probably not facing uh, a team like Minnesota who has as many points as the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Washington Capitals, both of whom are, I would say, up there in terms of the favorites to win it all this year. Um, and, and you have to look at things like, you, you know, I don't think St. Louis is going to be able to keep up with Vegas. I, I think we've established that in general, Vegas is just a different breed uh, in, in terms of you know, just being able to execute, which is something that we don't really see very often in terms of, you know, a, a team like that who does not necessarily have like the superstar after superstar. Obviously guys like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty are very, very good. Um, but they don't have like that one key true superstar on that team um, that, that scores 150 points every season, you know? Um, but uh, it, it's really interesting. The only concern that I have with Vegas, um, 
you know, the goaltending has been a little bit less uh, less than desirable in recent days. Um, I don't know if you've, you've kept up with Vegas necessarily. It's like they have some games where they really have, uh, like Lehner has as absolute stinkers, like semi-frequently it feels like, um, at least in recent days. Obviously, you know, you can make up with that with having, you know, good defense and, and you score a lot. But going into the playoffs, you know, you, you kind of want your players to be as hot as possible. And, you know, it hasn't been the case necessarily for them. So I think that's that's a really important aspect of things. But I, I definitely do agree with you. Uh, it's kind of a shame that Vegas, Colorado will not be the conference final. I, I think just in general, those teams are the most exciting teams in hockey. First off, like I think those are the two maybe the two best teams in the sport, which is, you know, you don't really see that out of divisions very often. Um, do, do you have any, is there any possibility for an upset? Do you think that Minnesota can beat Colorado or St. Louis can beat Vegas? Because I really don't. Um, I think that they will be good series. I think that both St. Louis and Minnesota are definitely competitive teams. You know, obviously St. Louis won the cup not too long ago, and Minnesota definitely had a really strong year. Uh, definitely has some intrigue. Kaprasov has been a lot of fun to watch. They've pulled off some crazy games, um, had the wild this year. So I think it's going to be a competitive series, but um, as I said, I think that Vegas and Colorado are definitely the two best teams in this division, so that's kind of who I expect to be moving on. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I mean, it's like, with Colorado, for example, like, I don't think you can really shut down a guy like Nathan McKinnon, uh, whereas Minnesota, they have guys like Kaprizov, but it's really interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see Kaprizov play his first playoff games. Obviously, it's a little bit different um, when you're playing the playoffs, so the intensity is up a little bit. Um, you're going to get checked a little more, less time to do things. Uh, it'll be definitely interesting there. Um, that, that division's, I think, one of the more cut and dry in the league. Um, we'll skip over to the Central, that um, a matchup where Carolina's playing Nashville, a team that, you know, looked absolutely abysmal for like 60% of the season. And they just said, ah, you know, somebody's got to take the fourth spot. Why not us? And then we have the Battle of Florida with Florida-Tampa. Um, I think, so, so you have a differing opinion than me. We talk about this pretty often. I don't think Carolina or Florida are that good. I, I think that they are... Um, I don't know, beneficiaries of playing Columbus and Detroit and Chicago and all these teams and not necessarily good enough to like where they're going to be able to make big runs. Obviously, you know, winning the division is going to be, it'll be key. But like in a series, Florida-Tampa Bay, if Tampa has Stamkos and Kucherov, I don't see any way that Florida wins. I, I think you, you may, a uh, different opinion here. But uh, that's just, my thought is Tampa, if they have Kucherov and Stamkos, which they should, um, looking like they're both healthy, I think they're pretty much untouchable in this division. Yeah, Tampa's definitely got the most firepower. I don't think there you could even deny that. They've got just a team that just has everyone out there that has so much skill. And, and you mentioned it. If Kucherov and Stamkos come back, you're adding two of the top players in the entire league, let alone in this division or for their own team. So uh, that would definitely be a huge help for Tampa. And I, I, as you said, I do think that Carolina and Florida are both pretty solid teams. I could see, you know, these teams making it to the conference final. I could see even Carolina making it all the way to the cup final or even not winning it. I think that they're a very, very strong caliber team uh, in this division as well. But uh, I think kind of one thing that maybe you could be concerned about that we've talked about is the goaltending situation, especially for Florida. Bobrovsky's played the most amount of games, but Chris Drieger and even Spencer Knight in his rookie year coming out from Boston College this past year kind of give Florida a little bit more interest in their goalie situation. Carolina's had a few different options with Reimer, Mrazek, and then also Nedeljkovic is kind of their younger option as well. So uh, we're not going to see, you know, like Andre Vasilevsky. We know he's going to be playing every single game for Tampa Bay. Um, so, you know, that gives them a little bit more stability and an edge that they've done it before. They won the cup last year. So it's hard to really kind of count out Tampa Bay. I think all these teams are pretty evenly matched. 
I think for me personally, I do think Carolina is going to be the team that ends up coming out of it. But, I mean, I could see, as I said, any of those three teams really. As you said with Nashville, yeah, it was kind of just a fourth team. We'll see who kind of makes it there. You know, good for them. They had a good second half of the year. But uh, I definitely don't see them really competing with the with these three teams here. So, slight as for me to Carolina. But, no, I definitely don't think that, you know, it's crazy by any means to pick Tampa. Or um, even Florida, I think, could have a solid shot at it as well. Yeah, I think it's fair. Obviously, like with Nashville, it's not really a team that I don't think anybody really wants to see in the playoffs. It just, you know, and I'm sure they'll make me eat my words. And when they win the series and we come back and talk here, I'll, I'll be um, very apologetic to Predators fans everywhere. But it's just, I don't know. It's like it, going into the year, Nashville was probably not the team that I was going to pick. I would have thought it would either be Dallas. I was high on Chicago. Probably would have rather seen Patrick Kane in the playoffs rather than, you know, Nashville throwing out guys like, like you know, obviously Roman Yossi, great player. You know, Pecorina, he's, he's 44 years old and he's still grinding. Obviously not that old, but it's it's just I don't know. Carolina definitely will be the beneficiary of a first round um a first round matchup that is easier than just about anybody else in the league. So um you know seeing a Carolina Tampa Bay or Carolina Florida um final for the division not the worst idea in the world. It would not be the biggest um biggest L in the world. Uh, from there I think we can shift over to the East, which I I would say is the strongest division in hockey. Has been the strongest division in hockey this year. Um, and we have some really good matchups, starting off with Pittsburgh against the New York Islanders and the Capitals playing the Boston Bruins. It, it's really interesting to me to, to see just how this is, um, I, I don't know how this has developed. Obviously, I, so my, my thought at the beginning of the year is Washington and Boston were the top two teams in the division pretty much like, like very easily. Um, so to see them playing against each other, you know, obviously not necessarily the, um, what, we, what you want to see in the first round two of the stronger teams in hockey. Um, but yeah, you know, you get to see a matchup against um, with Ovechkin and Backstrom against guys like Bergeron and Pasternak and Marchand. You can't really complain about that. That'll be um, a masterclass offensively. Whoever ends up winning it will likely score um, a lot of goals, I would say, especially if the Capitals end up winning. They would have to um, find something that Boston just doesn't usually give up. And, you know, obviously Boston has Taylor Hall, which is um, – has been, I think, the best pickup since the trade deadline, I would say, in terms of just, you know, adding some firepower and giving some depth to a team that didn't really have much. Um, well, we'll start with that. Washington and Boston, who you got and why? Yeah, that is a really, really good series, as you kind of outlined there. And I would say, you know, Boston is playing really hot right now. Like you said, since they got Taylor Hall, they've been really good. Uh, you know, really kind of balanced out their scoring. Kind of surprised me a bit. I thought that they needed more on their defense, but they've actually been playing a lot better hockey recently. But, I mean, yeah, Washington is really good, too. So, I mean, I <laughs> I, don't, I can't really answer the question. I think it's going to go either way. I would pick Boston, though, in this series. But, um, yeah, I think it is a really good matchup, as you said. Uh, definitely not one that you would kind of expect in the first round. Definitely worthy of later in the playoffs. So, um, I'd probably go slightly edge to Boston there. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think it'll be, you know, a very, very deep series, six or seven games for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree there. If it if it doesn't go deep, I'll be shocked. Um, the other playoff matchup is much more, I don't know, it, it's much more up to interpretation, I would say, in Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Um, as a, I don't know, as a Rangers fan, it's kind of hard to root for either of these teams. Really don't want to root for the Penguins or the Islanders. It's like, It'd be like you in the playoffs talking about, oh, you know, you're, you're seeing a team like Nashville, you're seeing a team like Dallas play, or you're seeing Detroit. You know, it's like you don't yeah. really want to root for any of these teams. Um, but again, you know, should be an interesting series. You know, obviously you get to see Sidney Crosby out there for Pittsburgh, easily the most important player on the ice 
um, for the Penguins. You know, when Sidney Crosby's out there, he just he does things. Still, it's 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 magical to see a guy at his age be able to produce as he has. And then you have the Islanders, who are a little bit more of a gritty, defensively minded team, um, led by Matt Barzal, who does not put up the points that Sidney Crosby does on a normal basis, but is still. A, a tremendous player in his own right, obviously, with a more defensive um, setup. You know, it's a little bit harder to put up points. I think specifically, just because of that, I'll take Pittsburgh in this series solely because I think they can just offensively power their way through a little bit. The Islanders have been semi-underwhelming recently. Obviously, they've struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, losing Honors Lee did not help. I... I I find it hard to pick a winner and loser in this series because, you know, it's like you really don't know what you're going to get out of the Islanders, which is just, you know, I guess the beauty of Barry Trotz hockey. Um, but I, if I had to pick, I'd say Pittsburgh in six. Um, I think you, you may agree with me here. Yeah, I do. I think Pittsburgh, pretty much for the reason that you are on the Islanders, just haven't played their best hockey as of late. So that's kind of when I'm going off. But I think Pittsburgh is definitely, you know, they had a very good year. They added Jeff Carter at the trade deadline, who's been great for them. They were able to add Kasperi Kapanen before the year that we were kind of surprised when for a first-round pick, but ended up having a nice year as well. Jared McCann. So they've had guys step up for Pittsburgh. But still, I just am not sold on the defense with the Penguins. Like, I obviously, Chris Letang is really good, but I feel like the rest of that unit is just, like, pretty average like Marino, Matheson, like they're all right players, but um, I just don't know if it's necessarily going to be enough to where I think Pittsburgh is going to make a deep, deep run. I think the winner of that Washington-Boston series is going to go on to the conference finals and come out of it regardless of the winner of this Pittsburgh and Islanders series, but I think Pittsburgh is going to have the edge um, pretty much just because the Islanders haven't been playing as strong lately, but I think it will be a pretty deep series. Like you said, you said six. I could see it being a seven-game series as well, but um, I give a slight edge to Pittsburgh in this one. Yeah, and the Islanders have a little bit of a similar goalie situation as some of the other teams that have been outlined previously, like Carolina, where they have Sorokin and Barlamov, both of whom play a, a significant amount. Um, not necessarily sure who will start playoff games, and they could do the whole, um, you know, this guy doesn't play very well, we're going to go to our backup or go to our number two, which, you know, not necessarily something that you want to do in the playoffs. I would say that's something that you try to shy away from in the playoffs, if anything. Uh, I don't think you can really find a team that, like, rotated goaltenders or like went with multiple goaltenders in the playoffs that actually had like significant success or won a cup I think usually you you end up latching on to a guy that has a run um, which I guess you can see out of the Islanders here um, yeah I, I think it's kind of a shame that Washington and Boston play in, in the first round as I said before you know uh, just how, how the whole makeup of this entire you know this this tournament I guess you would say because it's, it's a four-team tournament every division then they go deeper in the playoffs they play the conference it's kind of it's kind of a shame, um, considering we're going to be going over to the north here. That you know, Toronto is playing Montreal, a Montreal team that you know, in a normal year, probably not a playoff team. Did not look great this year. Uh, twenty four, twenty one, and ten. Um, so so seven more losses than wins. They just got the points for the overtime losses. And then you have Edmonton, Winnipeg, which is the the most likely um playoff matchup. Obviously, Montreal could pass Winnipeg, but uh, me specifically, I don't think it's going to matter. I think Toronto and Edmonton are the two strongest teams in this division by far. And, you know, the point totals definitely say that. Toronto, obviously led by Austin Matthews, who has scored 40 goals this year, which is, I think in general, I think it's something that should be talked about as much as McDavid's 100 points. Because let's just be realistic. So Toronto's playing Montreal. Matthews um, was dealing with, with a wrist injury, a hand injury, for a good chunk of the year and still managed to score in uh, 80% of the games that he played in this year, which is just incredible considering in a normal year, that's like a 65 goal pace. 
Um, I, I definitely don't understand how that happened. I really just, you know, Austin Matthews is obviously a great player in his own right, but anybody dealing with an injury should not be able to put up points, uh, score goals at that rate. Um, but yeah, you know, Toronto, Montreal, and we'll start with this series. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think Montreal can even make it a series? Yeah, it's interesting. I think when I think Montreal, like we always say, like I feel like they're, they're top nine, like their top three lines, they're all like the same. Like they don't have like a first line, but they're all kind of like equivalent of like second line. So which means that they have a lot of depth. So I think that actually that's something that once we hit the Stanley Cup play- playoffs, that that's something that now you can start to see where that comes through with you. You know, maybe you're kind of struggling throughout the regular season. You know, they had to, you know, make a coaching change and some things weren't really going the way of Montreal early in the year. But I think that that depth is going to serve them well in the playoffs, especially against a team like Toronto that, you know, their playoff struggles are very known. Like they haven't won a playoff series uh, in quite some time. So uh, I think that Toronto is definitely the better team here, but I think it is going to be very competitive of a series I mean these teams have played each other a lot as is the case with everybody they've only played the teams within their division there's gonna be a lot of familiarity in every single one of these series but uh, I think Toronto and Montreal is gonna be a competitive series but I do think Toronto has the edge in this series uh, overall I think they just are are a superior team overall so I think that shows up over the course of of a long series but um, I think it will be pretty competitive I do yeah see the only thing that like really worries me with Toronto is the fact that their goaltending situation is so strange it's like, obviously, we've seen Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell has taken over the starting job, basically. But, you know, if, if Freddie Anderson is healthy, you would assume that he ends up playing games. You th- I, I think that he is clearly still their number one, although Campbell has played a lot down the stretch due to injuries and such. Um, it's a really interesting... You, you don't really see a team win a division with that much struggle goaltending-wise. Like, obviously, Campbell had a great stretch there where he, he set the Leafs' record for most wins in a row, um, which is, you know, obviously a... a huge you know that's a huge accomplishment for anybody considering the history of the team but you have to really think it Toronto their goaltending issues you know if they like you know if they sneak over in the playoffs a little bit are they going to really have fun playing whoever wins Edmonton Winnipeg um you know probably not especially if they end up playing Edmonton because you know as we've seen you know a little segue here Connor McDavid hit 100 points in 52 games which which is just insanity just nuts uh, obviously, he had some help with Leon Dreisaitl, who is also one of the best players in the world as well. Um, so, you know, you throw two of those guys out there at the same time, it's pretty much a, a guaranteed a goal or two a game um, against a, a Winnipeg team that is much different than, than the Edmonton Oilers are. Um, a Winnipeg team that has some scoring depth. They have some, um, you know, obviously they, they don't really have any goaltending struggles, which Edmonton has all the goaltending struggles in the world. Um you know, Winnipeg, a little bit more consistent in terms of where they get their scoring from. They have guys like Shifley and Connor who definitely produce a little bit. Um, uh, this is a weird series to me because I, I wouldn't be shocked if Edmonton lost. I think that Connor McDavid ends up powering through with Leon Dreisaitl and they end up, they end up doing things. Um, but it's like, we've talked about this before off the podcast. Edmonton's got to be, if you're an Oilers fan, you've got to know, yeah, this season's pretty much over when it starts, when you have Koskinen and Mike Smith in net. Like, that's got to be the most scary thought, considering you're going to go in a playoff series with two, I don't know, backup at best goaltenders, I'd say. I, I don't I don't know if you definitely agree with that one. I think we're on the same page, but, you know, it's very hard to want to win anything when you have Koskinen and Smith as your goaltenders. 
Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's a wild card situation that could definitely bite Edmonton in that situation. And their, their defense, you know, like it was terrible for a long time. A little bit better this year. Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse had pretty, you know, solid years. But, you know, you still don't love the, the overall defense for the Oilers. So I think that that's something that'll hurt them. But again, I've said this a few times, you know, some teams, they just haven't been playing their best hockey recently. Winnipeg is another team that definitely falls in that category. They have had a really, really tough last like two or three months. They couldn't even beat the Senators in a couple stretches. Like, they were really, really struggling. So I think that's going to help out Edmonton in this situation. You know, this is kind of where, we, you know, us here in, in the U.S., we make fun of the North Division a little bit because, uh, you know, they just haven't, the quality of their play just does not seem up to par with some of these other divisions. Like we talk about Washington, Boston. We talk about Vegas and St. Louis. You know, these, these are a lot better teams than what we're seeing in the North. So I think that overall, I like Edmonton in this series overall against Winnipeg just because Winnipeg, as I said, hasn't been playing their best. But you're right. I mean, Edmonton, they certainly have their flaws. But I think when you have Connor McDavid, David and Leon Dreisaitl, you know, you always kind of have a chance. So I think that they'll uh, at least be able to get past Winnipeg. And um, so that would mean Toronto and Edmonton moving on to the next, uh, you know, kind of round What is what we would be predicting here. And that would be an interesting series in itself. I think, I guess, I mean, I, I, I would probably lean slightly towards, uh, like, I don't even know. Like, I, both these teams are just so average. I guess Edmonton. If I have to give you a pick, I'll take Edmonton. But, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like you said, there's, there's major flaws with everybody in this division. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. And I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be, if they did a conference set up with the North and the East, I think Toronto would probably end up being, like, the fourth or fifth best team. Um, if they were doing a normal conference, you know, standings top to bottom. And that that's not a slight necessarily to Toronto. It's just I think other teams would be more talented than them. And, you know, obviously Toronto, put they put up 76 points in 54 games so far, which is a really, really good season. However, you know, the competition has not been great. It's like we've seen Calgary is pretty, pretty mediocre, which is something that I don't think that you uh, predicted at the beginning of the year. And I didn't think no. they'd be this bad. Uh, Ottawa, not good. Vancouver, extra not good which is, you know, obviously they had COVID issues. You can't really, like, blame them necessarily. And then even teams like Montreal and Winnipeg, both pretty mediocre, probably yeah. not playoff teams in a normal year. Yeah, and I thought I thought Winnipeg is, was going to be good, too. Like, I, I thought they, you know, at the start of the year, they had a ton of scoring depth. I everybody thought Winnipeg was yeah, going to be good. Yeah, and, and you look at the goalie situation, but, man, they just, I mean, their defense just significantly holds them back. I mean, Neil Pionk's their best defenseman. Like, that's a problem. So, uh, not nothing against Neil Pionk, but just the rest of it, the rest of their group is, is really not good at all. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think, so one last thing before we move on here, I think whoever ends up playing the North in the the conference finals, whether I think it's going to end up being the Eastern Conference team, that could be such a bloodbath. Um, but let's let's say we put a team like, like Washington or Boston against Toronto or Edmonton. I, I have a hard time believing in either of those Canadian teams being able to beat Washington and Boston, who first off have played playoff hockey primarily all year. It's like even... I think you could even say playing teams like the Rangers or even Philly at the beginning of the year, those were teams that played you tough games regardless. And obviously it's like down the stretch when you're playing teams like Pittsburgh, Boston, the Islanders who play playoff hockey every night, very gritty, strong style of hockey, you know, that definitely benefits them. Whereas, you know, it's like you see Edmonton, you watch, you watch an Oilers game and they're out there. Connor McDavid is literally skating through everybody like no problem. Like he's doing literally everything that he has to do on his own. Last night, he literally cut through three separate players and sent an assist to Dominic Cahoon. It was either last night or two nights ago, where Cahoon literally tapped it in front. If you see that in the playoffs, like that's embarrassing. That's a joke because you literally can't let a guy just walk past you without any speed and then set up a guy sitting right in the crease, untouched, just taps it home, no problem. That doesn't happen. That shouldn't happen in the playoffs. So 
you know, obviously the, the Eastern teams will be more battle tested as I think you could say um, the Central and West teams have played a little bit more tight games this year, whereas the North has been uh, a little bit up and down here. One more question here off the top of my head. If there's any playoff team to make a run, a, a team that you wouldn't expect to make a run to the cup, who would it be and why? Uh, so you're saying unexpected team to win it all? Yeah, I would say anybody that isn't like a, a like the top of their division, anybody that wasn't a super favorite. Like, if you want me to answer first, I have I have a definite answer here. Yeah. In terms of who I would pick, I think you know it, it's crazy to say, and you know we talk about this all the time in terms of like middling teams, but I think if Minnesota beats Colorado, they can beat anybody. And you know we've obviously seen the Wild. You know I think it's more surprising than anything. I don't think anybody would have put them here, but again. I don't think the whole not being able to play playoff teams or whatever, you know, it's really going to do anything for them. You know, obviously they haven't been, they didn't play very well against teams like St. Louis this year, who who was not very good. Um, they didn't play very well against other teams as well. And then they obviously struggle against teams above them. But I think we've seen a guy like Kirill Kaprizov, first off, has, has made the ultimate difference for a team that did not have a star, I would say. You know, obviously the Wild have good players and they've had this depth for a long time. But what they were looking for is a true star, and while I don't think Minnesota can keep up with Colorado, I don't think that they're going to end up winning the series. If they do, I wouldn't be shocked if they knocked off Vegas and they knocked off whoever they played in the Central. Um, obviously, you know, that's a lot. It's easier said than done with a Minnesota team that hasn't really had these playoff runs. Yeah. But if I was going to if I was gonna pick an underdog, a super underdog, a team that is probably not very, yeah, you know, the odds are probably not great. Um, if I was going to pick a team, especially out West where literally anything happens every year, it's like last year we saw Dallas make it with their backup goaltender, um, who without much of anything in terms of like scoring stars, um, if any, if it's going to happen, it's going to be out West. And I think it'd be Minnesota. That'd be my pick. Yeah. Fair shout. Minnesota has had a good year. So I like that for sure. Uh, so my cup final pick is Carolina and Vegas. So I'm not saying that I'm picking another team to make it to the cup final. But unexpected team, I'm going to say Montreal, as I said. I like Montreal scoring depth and the North Division. Like, pick whoever you want in the North Division. Like, I feel like most people are going to pick Toronto or Edmonton. But I don't know. So you want a surprise team? I'll go with Montreal. Like I said, I really like their scoring depth. Jeff Petrie is always solid. I feel like he scores, like, a super nice goals in the playoffs sometimes. Maybe Carey Price turns back the clock and, and starts shutting people down. So uh, that, that'll be my surprise pick. But um, I don't think Montreal is making it all the way to the cup final by any means. But I think they can maybe sneak their way out of the North. Well, the benefit for Carey Price is obviously, well, he's been hurt recently, but he hasn't played very much. He's allowed his body to heal up a little bit, so he should be fresher than just about anybody coming in the playoffs. So, I mean, and if a team is going to steal, steal a game against Toronto or steal a couple games against Toronto, it's going to be Montreal just playing gritty hockey, obviously. And then you know, Carey Price, goaltender is so huge in the playoffs. Carey Price has been known time and time again to have these great stretches. Like, obviously, we've seen him uh, decline a little bit here. But, you know, as we said, you know, depth scoring is huge. And, you know, while they don't necessarily have that star like other teams, you know, three three lines that can produce, can do their thing. Obviously, you know, Montreal, not the most fun team to watch, not the most exciting team no. to watch, but I would, <laughs> I would be shocked. It, it, you know, it's like, it, had you picked a team like, I don't know, you pick a team like Nashville, I'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe not, calm it down a little bit. But yeah, I guess in the North, especially in a year like this, anything can happen, and I definitely do agree with you on that end. Yeah, just really looking at that division being pretty wide open. So I, I think Montreal has some potential for it. Yeah, so I think we hit the meat of our, uh, you know, our playoff, um, you know, our NHL playoffs coming up here. Obviously, next week we'll probably talk about basketball a little bit. Um, we're still waiting to see what happens there. Play-in tournament, very strange. That's been a, a comment uh, or a topic of 
Um, significant comment from just about everybody in the league. Um, obviously, I think you and I both, you know, I don't really have a specific opinion on a play-in tournament. It, like, you know, add, add some extra teams to the playoffs, make it make it a little bit more RNG, make it a little more fun, I guess, you know. I, I think it's all just for, for views and everything, um, you know, throwing 9 and 10 teams in, especially because the 9 and 10 teams are probably end up being teams that have one star and then everybody else stinks. Um, but I think we can cover that again next week. Um, are you ready to hop into questions here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to start with Scotty G. He sent us like 13 questions, but we said we're only going to answer like three or four. Uh, I think the the one that we have to talk about first, uh, relating specifically to hockey, um, Taylor Hall. So Taylor Hall in Buffalo, he scored two goals in 691 minutes. Uh, Taylor Hall in Boston, he had two goals, his first two goals in 35 minutes. Um, obviously, you know, the question here is, should Taylor Hall consider re-signing long-term with the Bruins? I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, I think he definitely should consider signing long-term with Boston. I mean, Taylor Hall hasn't been on a good team in his entire life, except for one Devils team that he carried an insane amount. And then now he finds himself on a playoff team in Boston, a pretty competent organization. So, yes, Taylor Hall, consider signing long-term in Boston. I think this is feasible, too. I know David Krejci is a free agent at the end of this year, so uh, maybe the Bruins will just say, thanks, David Krejci, thanks for being here for a while, but we're going to give all your money to Taylor Hall right now. Uh, I know the Bruins, obviously, they very much value the center position, as I think you should. So shout-out to the Bruins for doing that right. But uh, I think that is definitely a likely situation that Taylor Hall should uh, remain in Boston. And you're right, that's been a great trade. I think that even at the time of the trade, you know, the second, uh, and Anders Bjork, you know, Bjork's been decent for, for the Sabres, actually. So shout out to them for, for, I guess, getting something out of it. But definitely a great return for Boston. Taylor Hall's been good. So it definitely has worked out for him so far. So definitely like that uh, that shout and think he should uh, look to stay there long term if he can, for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, we talked about this at the deadline. It's like, you just had to kind of know that they were going to end up winning this, considering like Nick Felino went for a first rounder. And yeah. you know, it's like Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac went for a first rounder. Whereas Taylor Hall goes for a significantly less, um, you know, just valuable pick after having an abysmal year. But I mean, it's like literally everybody on that team had an abysmal year other than Sam Reinhardt. So, I mean, like, you know, obviously props to Sam Reinhardt. But yes, absolutely. Taylor Hall should resign with the Bruins. Um, if anything, just to, you know, it's stability. I think the Bruins are one of the models of stability in hockey in the NHL. We've seen them time and time again. The Bruins are always in it. Whether whether or not they're having the best of years, whether or not they're winning their division, they're always in it. And I think when you get to the playoffs, it's like, I could say the Bruins could, could literally be a top five favorite every year for the next five, six years, I would say. You know, obviously, Produce Bergeron, um, Brad Marchand, aging a little bit, but still very, very good players. And then David Pasternak, and then guys like random guys like Jake DeBrusque, who could get better, um, could improve. You know, we've definitely seen, I, I don't know, you know, especially considering the market last year, I, I would say, you know, getting a re-sign with the Bruins right away rather than, you know, testing the market, end up in, ending up in Buffalo again, uh, or ending up in Edmonton or one of those teams, probably the, uh, the most beneficial situation for him. Um, we can skip over to one more hockey question uh, from Scotty G. He says, thoughts on Tort's tenure with the Blue Jackets and what his future may hold? What do you got for me? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, John Tortorella did some things with the Blue Jackets, you know, he gave them some playoff success, which in the history of the Blue Jackets, they haven't had a lot of not, you know, not trying to be an asshole, but it's true. I mean, the Jackets haven't had a, a really a deep playoff run. And when they upset the Lightning in the first round, that really kind of opens some eyes like, damn, okay, you know, wow, that looks pretty good. You know, very much a, a coach with, with significant structure. I think the Blue Jackets, you know, really kind of embody that, you know, defensive forwards really just try to shut things down and uh, find guys that can make things work, you know, heavily structured plays. So I think that that worked for them for a time, but at some point that kind of runs out, you know, they didn't have enough talent. They, you know, went so aggressive all in that when they lose guys like Bobrovsky and Panarin and Duchesne all in free agency, you know, that's going to take a little bit of a hit. So I think John Tortorella did a nice job. I think it makes sense that they're moving on at this point. Uh, I think Torts will see himself get another bench job again soon. May take a little bit for that to happen. I think NHL coaches kind of get recycled, but sometimes it takes a little bit for um, that to kind of come back up for him. Like I always keep thinking drugs. Glant doesn't have a job yet. I still can't believe that. So, um, you know, there's some good coaches that are still out there for sure. But uh, I think that Torch should be able to find his way back on an NHL bench again soon. So uh, that's kind of where my thoughts are at there. Um, overall, I thought Torch did a pretty solid job, but definitely makes a lot of sense why they're moving on here. Yeah, you know, as a um, as a team that formerly employed John Tortorella, um, he, is, he is an enigma. He is a guy that you can't really necessarily put a, a one specific description on. Obviously, he, he is the definition of what you would say the hockey man is. He, he's a guy that is out there. He is as passionate as the players are, sometimes more passionate than the players are, as we saw with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, you know, he, he is extremely, 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 I don't know, overwhelming as a coach. He's a guy that will get in the news. He, he's a guy that will say things that probably shouldn't be said. Um, it's like, you know, you go back to the Rangers tenure, he used to call players uh, lazy or say they played like shit. Um, pardon my French. Uh, frequently, this is something that happened quite often with the Rangers. Um, maybe not the the place to do it. Maybe not you know saying things to reporters that you wouldn't say to your players or that he did say to the players. Maybe um, not the best uh, you know idea, I guess. But I, I think John Tortorella is one of those guys that does a good job. He's not necessarily a bad coach. Obviously, his success has been limited. I would say, considering you know his last couple of tenures have not uh, they've not gone well with specific teams and Columbus um, ending off very, very sour. But as you said, you know, when a team loses that much talent, it's like, first off, you have guys that leave after trading for the, them um, multiple years in a row, using your picks to get these players, and then they end up leaving in free agency. Um, I don't know. I guess it comes down to Columbus, just in general, just being a tough place to you know, drag free agents to, drag talent to. I guess people don't really want to play in Columbus. You know, I, I definitely understand. It's in the middle of Ohio, not really necessarily like a – you know, the, the market that you want to be in if you're a superstar. And I think we're going to see that with Patrick Laine. Uh, probably not going to want to be there. But yeah, it's like, if Torts ended up getting a job before Gerard Gallant, I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing would surprise me. And I think that'll end up happening. I would say there will be um, five, six, seven coaching opportunities this offseason, maybe. Um, we still haven't seen anybody really get canned just yet, but uh, it's coming. Uh, I'm sure it's coming. So uh my guess is Torts ends up getting hired this offseason is coaching somewhere else um, next season. If not, you know, he will be the, the perfect midseason hire for a team that needs some structure, needs to be yelled at, which is usually how how it ends up happening. I feel like coaches get fired all the time because the team wasn't structured enough, and then they bring in this guy like Tortorella, and bang, it's like they start winning games. So, you know, obviously, Tortorella is a guy you either like or you hate. I, I think he's a good coach, but, you know, uh, he will be a definite member of the, the rotational coach society, which we see constantly in the NHL where 17 different guys 
get jobs everywhere they go, and it's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely an interesting situation there. Um, we'll switch over to Chicago. Uh, Chicago baseball. Why have the Cubs been so inconsistent, RK? What are we talking here? You know, the Cubs are, we expected this, okay? Coming in the year, I said, you know, the Cubs, they're just a mediocre baseball team. You know, they've got some good players for sure. Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, you know, all very, very talented players. Wilson Contreras, I'll throw in him in there as well. They're all very good. They have no pitching, though. That that really is kind of their downfall. Kyle Hendricks has been up and down a little bit. You know, they brought back Jake Arrieta, and he's, you know, pretty old at this point. They really don't have a bullpen. Craig Kimbrell was supposed to be the closer, and he's been pitching in, like, the seventh inning at times. So, you know, the pitching is really where you look at the Cubs, and you're like, yeah, we really don't have a lot of help there in the pitching staff. Lineup's okay, for sure. Definitely don't think it has, you know, enough juice to where it can carry them to kind of offset the pitching. So this is what I expected from the Cubs. I'm not going to, you know, say that I'm surprised. At, at what's gone on so far yeah so you know i think that we we outlined this earlier in, in the year before the season started you know we really don't know what's happening with the cubs we never know what's, what the cubs are going to do it's like if they had been great this year i would have been a little bit surprised if they had been awful this year would have been a little bit surprised so throwing them in a um a mediocre situation definitely makes sense but do you think this is a chance that the cubs are like a playoff team this year or from what you've seen this year do you think it's probably just not going to happen I think they're going to be in the race all year. So I definitely can't rule it out. You know, like I said, they've got a little bit of firepower in that lineup and Chris Bryant's been hitting well. So you never know. Can't rule out. I don't think they win the division. St. Louis has had a good start to the year uh, as well. I think that most people had them as their pick. The Reds lineup has been dominant, way better than the Cubs lineup has been. They've had, The Cubs and Reds have had some insane games that they played head to head this year with some high scoring uh, events. They had a game where each of them hit five home runs in a game. That was pretty insane. So I personally don't think the Cubs make the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the race and they could but i think that their division they're just a little bit outmatched by st louis and cincinnati yeah i definitely agree with you i think that's that's about as good as it's going to get there um and you know currently the cubs are i think they're tied for a wild card spot which is you know really interesting considering they're they're, yeah, they're in the race for sure there's yeah. definitely um there's definitely like four or five teams that'll be in the wild card race and everybody else is going to fall off we've seen the bottom of the the national league just be it's it's pretty bad this year. It's like obviously the Pirates are just awful. Um, the Rockies even worse. Washington's not very good. Miami's not very good. Arizona's not very good. So that does leave the Cubs in there as the uh, the, the de facto beneficiary of just everybody else being a little bit worse than them. Um, but yeah, one more Scotty D question before we move on here. Who is the best team in Chicago right now? I don't know if it's necessarily just baseball or if it's any sport in general, but who is the best team in Chicago right now? Well, the cheating answer would be for me to say the Chicago Steel. I know we're going to get some USHL talk in a little bit, but the Chicago Steel really don't play in Chicago. They play in like the West Suburbs. They're junior hockey team in Chicago. So that's a cheating answer. They, they're not really Chicago. I'm not claiming that. So actually, best team in Chicago? I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't say the Bears. I think the Bears are still shit, even though they got Justin Fields. Like, congrats. Like, that's really good. But I still am not high on the Bears. We just said the Cubs are average. The Blackhawks actually give me some optimism. So I don't know if the Blackhawks are necessarily the best team in Chicago, but I think the Blackhawks have, like, the brightest future, if that kind of makes sense. I like that they were playing a lot of young guys this year. And even though they're not going to be a playoff team, I think they're uh, actually starting to do things in the right direction, which is, which is a nice plus. So, um, you know, best team overall right now has got to be the White Sox, if we're being honest. But I think that the Blackhawks um, are, are moving things in the right direction. But overall, best team in Chicago right now, got to go with the Chicago White Sox. 
isn't it a little bit disappointing that you go through Chicago sports and like every single one of those teams is like, oh, they're mediocre. This is oh, how it works. Oh, they're yes, okay. This is oh, how it works. Oh, they're fine. It's been like that <laughs> my entire life. And like we, I, I'm lucky that I witnessed like the Dynasty Blackhawks and I saw the Championship Cubs. You saw but, Derek I Rose. Mean, you know that was fine. You know. Yeah, Derek Rose was fun for sure, but it didn't last as long as we were hoping. I wasn't around for the '90s Bulls. That was that was probably the best time. And the '85 Bears. Everyone always talks about them as well. But other than that, if you don't know what's going on with Chicago sports, they're probably all like mediocre. Like that's usually just. Oh, that, that's like that's like so sad, especially considering Chicago is like yes a, a very very that's large why market. We, that is why we can have these conversations, Donnie, about mediocre teams because I have seen my share of mediocre sports. If if you know anything, it's mediocre sports, and you know that's <laughs> and you don't want it. That's you don't fine. Want it. You that's don't want really that. fine. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll definitely take that answer. I agree with you. It's the White Sox. It's like I would like to say at some point it's going to be the Bears because it's like it looks like they're kind of sort of getting better here, and like you know they, they were pretty mid last year, eight and eight, but they made the playoffs. You know, woohoo! Great job, guys. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's really going to be tough. If you're like a diehard Chicago sports fan and you're a Cubs fan, and you're you're a, which I, I assume there's more Cubs fans than White Sox fans still. I think that's that's yeah, that's, gonna, sure. that's gonna be the case regardless. And you're a Blackhawks fan and you're a Bulls fan and you're sitting here, you're a Bears fan. You're kind of just like, you know, my my reality in terms of sports, my my sports existence is not looking great right now. And you know, obviously we we do. I'm sure we have some Chicago fans here outside of RK. I'm sorry, like I really I want Chicago to be better because passionate fan base and everything. But man. It's like when you're talking about a team that is, you know, I don't think the White Sox are that great. Obviously, they're a very, they're a good team, but I don't think they're like good enough to be like, oh yeah, they're hands, head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of Chicago sports. That's like, that's like, that's a sad, that's, that's a toughie. You know, I really feel bad for Chicago sports fans everywhere because, you know, as I said before, the passion in Chicago sports fans is probably, I don't know, top two, top three in terms of like fan bases in, in the country, I'd say. Yeah, Chicago is definitely a big sports city, no doubt about it. We're not all Los Angeles, Donnie. Lakers and Dodgers, they're they're at the top. Well, I mean, it's like okay, the Dodgers stink right now. The Dodgers are third in their division. They're one game over five hundred. The Lakers, you know, the Lakers are playing a. Play They'll be tournament. all right. They're, they're going to be in the play-in tournament, so you know that, that's where I'm at. Here, Both so. of them will be all right. I, I that, understand that. However, I, I'm I'm upset about it. That's all I'll say. I understand, but I am upset. Um. I guess we can move on to uh, Eric sent me a couple questions. We'll start with uh, his first one. He asked, said, Donnie, you're a New York guy. Should we be taking the Knicks seriously? I'll start with you, RK. Do you take the Knicks seriously in terms of a playoff team? Do you think they can actually do something in the playoffs? No. I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I don't think it's – it's not a bad thing for the Knicks to be very good this year. Obviously, they're in the four spot. They could have home playoff games, and I think they definitely could beat Atlanta or Miami, whoever they play in the first round. However – if you threw them up against like Brooklyn and Kevin Durant and James Harden, Kyrie Irving, I just say I, I it's not gonna go well. Um, you throw them against Philly, I don't think they beat Philly. You throw them against Milwaukee, Giannis probably just just dominates. So while this is a good, it's a good building block, and obviously we haven't seen the Knicks be good in how many years. It's like it's gotta be. It's got to be coming up on like a decade almost, um, you know, the mellow years, even before like Amari Stoudemire and them, you know, you don't have to take them necessarily seriously. However, you know, I think it's just respect when New York teams are good. That's when sports are better. It's just how it's going to be. It's how it's always going to be. When you have the large market teams successful, sports will be better. And as the Knicks start to progress and add more free agents as time goes on, you know, it's, it's a big boost to them. But for now, RK and I definitely agree. Do not take the Knicks super seriously come playoff time, considering the East is a three-team. It's just a three-team race. That's how it's going to be. 
Um, we can move on to his second question. Uh, talking about Jock Peterson's premature back, uh, for a bat flip against the Dodgers, um, how it was one of the funniest premature sellies ever. What, in your opinion, RK, is the worst or funniest premature celebration of all time? Uh, I'm first going to comment on the Jock Peterson bat so flip. So funny. That was actually so hilarious. Good. Like, like Jock, the, the, like he fooled everybody. It, it, it was a Cubs-Dodgers game, so both of us were watching on this. And, uh, I mean, Jock, he, it, it looked good. It was like, oh, Jock Peterson sent to deep. He, he was staring it down. And then his face after, it was like, it was like just shy of the warning track. Like, it really wasn't even, like, that close to being a home run. Like, he was really confident about it. But that was a funny one. Easy answer for me on this. It's the most classic gif. It's the Nick Young putting up the threes Well, he thinks he made a shot and then he turns back and sees that the ball rims out and he misses like easy choice you always see that nick young gif of, of the premature celebration so that's an easy one for me. yeah you know I, ha- I have a couple um the first one is gonna be deshaun jackson dropping the ball at the goal line against the cowboys uh a long time ago it's gotta it's gotta be like over a decade old now um that's very funny to me considering you know it, it, it caused pain to eagles fans and that was always a positive for me um yeah, no offense, RK. You know, there obviously, you, go. you know, love you. Hey, good, good for you. I'm glad you got joy out. You know, I, so you have to take joy out of some things when your team is not very good. Obviously, you know, the Giants were good um, in that era, but you know, you see it, you see a guy crossing the goal line, drop the ball before he gets over the goal line. You're just you're a moron. You know, it is a classic. Yeah, and then more people do it. Like I've probably seen that like 15. I think times, it happens like, college multiple times yearly in sports and in, in, in college football yeah. and the NFL. I think it happens multiple times yearly, and I think we have to get to the point where you know come up with celebrations that happen in the end zone like once you're actually in the end zone rather than you're dropping the ball behind your back as you're entering like you know the whole the whole um you know crossing the finish line thing it's it's a great celebration i really enjoy it but like you can, can you cross the goal line and still hold the ball is that something that, that like actually happens like can, can you do like the whole like the sprinter thing when you when you're crossing the uh, the finish line trying to get the, the best time and you can still hold the ball when you're crossing like yeah. i don't think that's that much of an issue is it like I don't know. I guess it is for some people. Yeah, and then on top of that, I'll go with. So I, I was looking back. I did some research on this, and um, I forgot about this. Forty Niners Chiefs in, in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, the Forty Niners were celebrating. Um, they were up ten. They had just got a, a turnover. Uh, it was like twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were fired up. They were taking pictures with like the, the goal camera. You know, like the, the goal line camera where they they get there and they take the team team photo and everything. And then they ended up losing by eleven points. Um, you know they were up, they were up yeah. ten. They were fired up. They thought, oh, this this is it. Uh, obviously, not as bad as like the, the Falcons blowing the lead to the Patriots, but still pretty pretty tough. Yeah, I was gonna bring that one up because I remember always seeing on Twitter like obviously that was a twenty eight to three game, but like at the start of the fourth quarter it was twenty eight nine, and the Falcons tweeted they were like fifteen yep. minutes to go, yep. and they were like all excited, and it's like they thought they really thought that that's always a classic tweet to see like retweeted once in a while. On the I see line. it the, the fifteen minutes to go Atlanta Falcons. I, I probably saw that six or seven times this year. Just obviously, it's like yeah. the, the pain of the Falcons franchise is is you know, it, it's very nominal. It's it's very apparent at this point. Um, it, it, yeah, you know, there's a lot of really good ones. Like there's there's full YouTube videos, like ten minute videos of, of premature celebrations and sports and such on YouTube. And I wrote this down. It's like I was going through. There's dozens of, of different celebrations. Like so so you know either um celebrating in in it's especially apparent I think now in like esports and video games it's like these people a lot you see a lot of people like stand up at events and stuff and start celebrating when in reality they haven't won or they don't know the score um you know definitely shocking um but yeah those are definitely good ones and you never want to see pain like that much pain and you know you're still thinking like 
49ers fans, Falcons fans, there's a lot of pain in, in your reality. So, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, but we will move forward. You know, I'm not answering. I'm not talking about Scotty G's Oklahoma questions this week. It's not happening. So we're going to push forward here. Um, first, we are asked by our good friend Luke to do a fantasy baseball update. Uh, if anybody's interested in our fantasy baseball league, we have an eight-team league. It's it's pretty much stacked teams um, across the board. We have a lot of spots on our team, though. So it's like I think at this point we have it's what five five utility spots and then four bench spots, three bench spots, something like that. So we have very very deep teams. Um, RK, how's your season going so far? Yeah, you know, honestly, not as good as I was hoping. You know, so I am the general manager of Murphy's Law Ball Club. Very proud, you know, two-time champions. I'm literally the Green Bay Packers because I won the first two years of this league, and then I haven't won since. You know, I haven't made the playoffs since. So, you know, this is an important year, and I started off 0-4. So really great, really, really what I was looking for, and really no excuses. I mean, I had some games, got, you know, a little misfortune, some some high points against, uh, but I was fortunate. I got a win last week against our friend Brett. Yeah, fortunate out of him not having a great week. But, you know, I've had some guys had some good years so far. Jose Ramirez has been a good man for me. I took him in the first round, so definitely I'm glad to see him do well. Trey Turner, Trevor Story, Matt Olson, Jose Abreu. So I'm definitely very high on, on some of the bats I have in my lineup. So definitely excited about that. Pitching as well. I made a trade with our friend Dan, who was also my opponent this week. I got Aaron Nola at the beginning of this year, so I was really excited about that. I'm not huge on trading for pitchers, but Aaron Nola was kind of like the one guy I was like, well, I'm a big fan of Aaron Nola. So, you know, one and four right now, still on the up, you know, big matchup, uh, as I mentioned, with my friend Dan this week. So, um, you know, that's, that's, how, uh, that's how things are going for Murphy's Law. But, uh, yeah, Donnie, how about, how about you can go ahead here? Everyone loves Ramon. That's that's your ball. Yeah, you know, we have Ramon Laureano, so I decided to make a funny name considering, uh, you know, you got to have a little bit of it, uh, fun with it. And then first, before I get on to my team, I just want to talk about how RK has given up 4,400 points in this league, which is 200 more than second place, second most uh, allowed. So our case fantasy baseball team is not playing much defense, apparently. You know, they're, they're really struggling. They're no. bleeding points right now. That's why I traded for, for Aaron Nola. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for, you know, a little, little help on the back end. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm currently tied for first with two other teams. Our good friend Luke, who asked the question solely so we could talk about how his team is good. And Owen, who uh, will, will, I would almost guarantee <laughs> will not listen to this segment. Um which is fine, you know, good man Owen. Um, but yeah, you know, we're definitely... He has he been has, on the podcast he, before, so shout out to Owen. Uh, he definitely enjoyed his time here, so I can't hate that. But yeah, it's like, I ended up with Mike Trout. Um, you know, I definitely can't complain about getting Mike Trout number three. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty reasonable pick. Um, at any any spot, necessarily, uh, not necessarily number one or number two, I guess, this year. But, you know, we'll take him at three. Uh, you know, I've, got, I've had guys like, you know, I'm, I'm really high on my Cubs. I got Rizzo and Baez have been doing... Um, and putting up decent numbers. Nolan Arenado, good ball player, obviously. Mark Canha, RK favorite. Um, really excited to have him. He's, he's been producing uh, pretty good this year. Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, you know, just really big on Chicago sports, I guess. Um, really loves Chicago baseball this year. And then, you know, obviously, you got Clayton Kershaw. What a good man. Obviously, you know, didn't have a great outing last week. Had a tough time, but then he bounced back. Kenta Maeda, former Dodger. You know, I had, had to do that. Um, but, yeah, currently tied uh, with two other teams at 4-1. and one. Uh, we will update this as the season goes on. You know, obviously, you know, it, it's fantasy baseball. Anything can happen. RK is 1-4 right now. I guarantee the next time we talk about this in, in a couple weeks, RK will be much closer to 500 considering he has given up so many points for no reason. Uh, just unlucky. Uh, unlucky. And, and, you know, it happens, RK. It really does happen. You know, it, baseball is a long season. After having done a few years now of fantasy baseball, you know, you just got to be, your team's just got to be in the right spot in September when the fantasy baseball playoffs come around and, and that's where you got to hit your stride. That's all that matters. 
Absolutely. And I think with that, we can shift over to another fantasy sport, fantasy hockey. Our fantasy hockey league, we had a question from um, RK's friend Mikey. who said, Ryan, because you are about yeah. to win fantasy hockey, can you Venmo me my buy-in? And so just just some, some background information. Um, RK and I played last week in the playoffs. I came into the week thinking, oh, I can win this game, considering RK was 6-8 and eight to, start off, to start off the season, got in the playoffs at 6-8. And then Connor McDavid had like 60 points on the first night, and my week was over. <laughs> I, I, I had already lost the week because Connor McDavid decided that he was going to go Superman mode, and that was fine. And then this week, RK, another great performance out of the boys. Another great performance out of the boys. And, you know, six and eight, champion. What are we thinking? I know. As, as I was just saying, you know, my fantasy strategy, you just got to be hot during the playoffs. That's really all that matters in fantasy sports. So uh, team came around at the right time. As you said, Connor McDavid. You know, he's obviously a good player to have on your team, whether it's fantasy or real life. So it worked out for me in this situation. But, uh, you know, I, I shout out to a couple guys that had good years. You know, Marty Natchez, Carolina Hurricanes had a, had a nice year. So uh, definitely was a was a good addition that I was able to have this year. Mackenzie Weger on Florida as well has been pretty solid. So, yeah, kind of a funny situation. We, the, the fantasy hockey season, you know, normally our matchups go Monday to Sunday. But there was a couple extra days here at the end of the year because of Vancouver and, you know, COVID and some of the games that had to get rescheduled. So, obviously, the NHL season is kind of trickling a, a few more days here. So, Scott already gave me my winnings, even though the matchup isn't technically over. But uh, definitely in a good spot. So, appreciate the question, Mikey. You know, I, I mean, you just want me to Venmo you money. That's really uh, the only situation here. Like, you, you just, you're just asking for $10. Like, no, I, I want it. I'm, I'm keeping my money for sure. But, you know, I appreciate the question and, and, the, and the recognition for, uh, for my, you know, fantasy hockey, you know, great team, obviously. Great, great performance from the boys. You know, and you have to mention the top tier fantasy team did this with five players in the IR in the final game, obviously missing Pedersen, Yossi, Rupe. Hentz, I know. Good, good ball players, good players that you, you would definitely need down the stretch. So, I mean, that is something that, you know, it, it's an honorable win from you, especially in a year like this where it was more normal. So it's like the best team should win. And I mean, obviously the best team having Conor McDavid definitely does help. Um, cannot say, you know, having Conor McDavid is a is a bad, uh, bad thing for your team. Um, but yeah, you, you know, con congratulations on yeah. that, obviously. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love the fantasy conversation. You know, I love playing fantasy sports. I remember uh, like a, a big time classic is, is the right after the end of the draft. If uh, all of us are in the same like Zoom chat or Xbox party, whatever it is, I'll, I'll go through like everyone's team and give my okay, team classic. back. And I remember Scotty G. Yeah, I remember Scotty G, who was commissioner of this fantasy hockey league that I led. He was like, and now we'll look at Ryan's team is probably going to win it all. So, I mean, he I called mean, it. So I mean, shout out to shout out to Scotty. Uh, he, he you get Connor McDavid, so. you know. He gets hot. He wins the week on your own, so on his own. So you know, definitely a dub for him and you. Yeah. We will. No we doubt. have one more question from Mikey. Um, this is for you specifically because I do not keep up with anything related to uh this league at all. But Chicago <laughs> Steel or Fargo Force in the Clark Cup final? Who you got and why? I know. I'm actually very excited for this. You know, USHL Clark Cup Finals. The usual. Finally, the season coming to an end. Yep. The uh, Chicago Steel, definitely the best team in this league. No question about it. They, they're just so stacked. They always have the best players. Owen Power is going to get picked first overall this year. Played this year at Michigan. Played for the Chicago Steel last year. So their player development is clearly very good. They've got a lot of really good players. Matt Coronado, Mackie Samoskevich are uh, some nice guys that they've got on their team. Adam Fantilli, 16 years old. And he's uh he had a, he had a couple playoff goals. So um, Chicago is definitely the best team in this league. Fargo, they've had a nice year, but I think Chicago is definitely the best team. I think they're going to get their Clark Cup uh, locked up pretty quick in this series. You know, if RK says that, then I absolutely believe it's the truth. We will touch back on this when when the series is they're over. They're good. They um, are a good team. 
Yeah, Mike, Mike is a uh, member of the Sioux Falls Stampede. The Stampers. So they unfortunately, didn't have as great a year. But better year better year than the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders who didn't play at all. So we'll be back next yes, year. Yes, sir. We, we love our Rough Riders here. Obviously, very supportive uh, on the pod because of RK and his, uh, his grind there. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely take your word for it. I have no idea what's going on. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> Chicago's good. Chicago's good. I'll tell you that. Uh, did we have Josh questions? I have not seen my Josh questions, so I'm upset. That Josh, is on you is for not getting them in. I actually asked Josh specifically, and then he said he wanted to listen back to the pod. And I asked him, and he's like, "Ask last week's questions." I was like, "I'm pretty sure we answered all your questions." So you, this one, this one's on Josh. I, I'm, no, nothing else. Yeah, you know, nothing else Josh. Josh Scotty G sent us one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11. He sent us twelve questions, Josh, and you couldn't think of one. He couldn't get us one. Scotty G sent us a dozen questions about literally everything from Creed Humphrey, uh, which we, you know. Oh, I, w- I will say uh, I did get a note from Josh. Yes, I- I'm glad I cut you off at your Creed Humphrey rant. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't hear any more of that. But Josh did say he had a caveat in our question from last week. We were talking about the, would you rather fight 30 geese or right, a small right. cougar? Well, apparently in the, in, the, in the situation where you have a baseball bat, you only have the baseball bat against a small cougar. So against 30 small geese, you do not have a baseball bat. So I don't know. Oh, if absolutely. If I don't have the baseball bat, the geese are just going to rock me. Like they're gonna start, they're gonna start pecking at my yeah. legs. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, I didn't want to face the geese anyways. So the fact that I'm now losing a baseball bat, I'm, I'm taking my chance. Yeah, it's a one. Game. It's like if you asked me if I wanted to one v one Mike Tyson with a baseball bat, you know, it's like I not really, but I did give me a better chance. I think if you if you put me with a baseball bat versus Mike Tyson, yeah. I'm not gonna win that fight probably. But uh, if you were gonna fight right. Mike Tyson, it's a small cougar. I'm taking Mike Tyson solely because he's just he's a different breed. Um, so I definitely you know gonna go with the cougar here. Um. Thank you for the the clarification, Josh. Really appreciate that. Um, yes, there you go. There, there, I'm sure Josh will be appreciative. Uh, of that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, we would appreciate questions, but you know, that's fine, Josh. It's fine. You can take the week off. It's okay. Um, we will skip <laughs> over to our final question before I give my favorite uh, two liner joke that is not that funny, but I kind of laughed at because I was not completely all there. Um, we'll start with first Kira's question: Are there more chairs or people in this world? What are we thinking, RK? What would your guess be? Yeah, you know, I, I read this question immediately on Instagram. And normally I, when people send me questions, you know, it's like I recognize it, but, you know, I'll wait to share my thoughts until, you know, I'm on air on the podcast here. But this was a great question. I really, you know, thought about this when I texted Kira. I was like, wow, this is, this is a good thought. Because initially my thought was, okay, you're comparing, are there more people or are there more chairs? And my first thought was like, there's got to be more people, right? Like, like, there's a lot of people on this planet. But then I thought about it, I was like, man, like, there's actually a lot of chairs. Like I was thinking about like, you know, you, you go to school, you go to like the assembly hall, like there's a lot of chairs that they just got hanging around. Like they got chairs in the rooms, they got chairs in the in the auditorium. Like they, there's just a lot of chairs. And then you think about like your house or your apartment, like I got a couple chairs hanging around. I'm There's only one of me. So there, there's gotta be more chairs. That, I found out that the ratio of chairs to humans, it's gotta be in favor of the chairs. So that's my vote. Yeah, so um, I looked it up while we were, uh, while we were answering this. And this, there was a question asked by Frankie Borelli, um, obviously, you know, Barstool Sports, if anybody follows Barstool. Uh, he put a poll out um, December 2, 2019, asking, are there more chairs or people in the world? And 65% said chairs. And I definitely do agree with that 65%. I'm just thinking, so in my household specifically, um, there's I have two chairs in my room. Um, there are eight chairs around the kitchen table. There are two chairs in the living room. Uh, there's one, so 13, we have 13 chairs in the household in different rooms and such. 
and there are only two people that live here. So I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a plus 11 ratio. I'm a plus 11 differential here, um, which is, you know, I would say pretty much standard across, um, you know, maybe everywhere. I don't know. How many chairs do you have in your apartment, just off the top of your head? Um, I've got two chairs. Okay, so you have, you're a plus one differential. You are still double because um, you, you're the only person in your apartment. So I'm just thinking there's a lot of people out there, especially because de- people that are decorative or whatever, you know, you have the island or you have a kitchen table. You probably have, what, like six to eight chairs at every every kitchen table. So I always uh, get I'm made fun of for my, my weak living room. That is that is a real thing that happens. Everyone's like, how do you, See, how but- do you live here? So I'm the only one that's here, okay? <laughs> the beauty of it is you are the only one that lives there, so you're the only one yeah. that actually matters. And I think exactly. that's something that is really Thank important. you, Donnie. You know, if somebody comes and says, oh, where am I supposed to sit? Or, oh, where, what am I supposed to do here? It's like, you're not here very often. It's like, I'm I'm here every day. Yeah. This, this is my... You're the visitor. Yes. You should just, you should not complain about it. You should just be happy that I'm inviting you into my humble abode. And um, if you complain about it, you don't deserve to be in my humble abode. And I think that's just how <laughs> you should go about it. That's like, that. that's how I feel. So thank you, Donnie. So if you ever have to you go back, if anybody ever complains, you can play this segment to them and tell them, hey... You know, I specifically say you're being a dunce if you're complaining about his chairs. You know, it's like, you know, yes. the kid, the kid just, he lives on his own. He does his own thing. Don't, don't be mean. Okay. How's that sound? Um, but yeah, I have to, okay. so I have to address a question from last week. Uh, I was asked what my favorite joke is. And so as somebody who does not necessarily know like two line or like basic jokes or whatever, I went on a hunt at, it was like 2.30 in the morning, Friday, or Saturday night, or so, so Sunday morning. It was like 2.30 in the morning, just coming off a COVID shot, I, I was not all there. Um, definitely some, some other uh, other ingredients mixed into that. We, will not, we won't discuss that. I think RK would, could guess. Um, but my, I found, I was going through, I just wanted to see what I would laugh at, so I went on a Reddit thread, and I, I looked up, what, is, what are the best two-liners uh, of all time? And, you know, I... I as somebody who does not really enjoy like normal jokes, I found the joke. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it to you, RK. What's green, fuzzy, and if it fell out of the tree, it would kill you? Uh, the Philly Fanatic. A pool table. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Uh, what, a pool table is green and fuzzy, and if it fell out of a tree, it would kill you. If, if a I mean, pool yeah. table fell out of a tree, it's killing Correct. you. So, Correct. So that, that's the point. That's the point. Okay, so maybe it wasn't that funny. Um. I mean, yeah, hey, it's your again. joke. If you if you find it funny though, Donnie, then it's your favorite joke. Yeah, I I was cracking up. Obviously, I was in, it, was, <laughs> it was very late. You know, um, really really enjoying myself. I'm proud of you. Um, That's so a great that. choice. You know, again, Kira, if you have a joke that you really like, you think is like so funny, I want to hear it. You have my Instagram. Send me a DM or send it to RK or send it to somebody. You know, tweet us it now. at us. I don't I don't know Pinterest. I I could find it on Pinterest. I don't know the people who use Pinterest anymore. Um, uh, our mom our mom uses pinterest that's about it though. really that's that's yeah. funny that's funny I, I don't you know pinterest never really been a, a a platform that i use um other than that i don't think we have much more to talk about this week rk you know obviously we, we've covered all the questions is there anything else that you want to cover outside of um you know if you want to talk about the oakland a's and their plumbing issue um you know other than that you know we could definitely end this one off here yeah, I know. Yeah, funny story with the Oakland A's. The A's are moving too. They're they're probably going to Vegas. That's uh that's breaking. Yeah, that is per, something that happened during me. the during the podcast. 
yeah. during the podcast. We were not actually moving to Vegas, it. but there is a chance that they will be moving. So that is a uh, interesting situation to follow. Donnie and I definitely watched our fair share of A's games. If you guys were listening during our segment of us talking about fantasy baseball, you guys figured that out. But yeah, no, it's been a good podcast. Always a pleasure. Always fun talking about sports and uh, getting questions from our listeners, people that actually are interested in, in what we have to say. That's pretty great. It's a real thing that occurs. So appreciate everyone for listening, of course. Definitely interact with us on social media. You can follow our podcast at Roth Podcast, R-O-T-H Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Definitely be sure to give us a shout. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys, you know, want to find or listen to us, you know, we're we're on there. We try to be. So um, definitely want to provide the opportunities for all you guys. So um, yeah, end of the podcast, folks, you guys are the best for listening and making it all the way through. We really appreciate it. Definitely ask us questions in the future. Sheck West, come on the podcast. It's been a great run. Thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you guys all again soon. Peace, everybody. Peace. People told me slow my road. I'm screaming out that I'ma do just what I want. Looking ahead, no turning back. If I fall, if I die, no I lived it to the fullest. If I fall, if I die, no I lived and miss some bullets. I'm on the pursuit of happiness, and I know.